everyone welcome to the very first episode of book a life podcast this is a place where we discuss books talk about books in broader perspective of life and in the process help our listeners hopefully and of course ourselves get a book life hello everyone welcome to the book podcast in the world where issues like exile and displacement are resurfacing again we thought of discussing an important novel which deals with some of these same issues and much more the name of the book i'm talking about is pachinko by min jin lee the first thing that struck me was his amazing and unique title i had no idea what it meant but before that i would like our listeners to know what the novel is all about Oh yes, uh, definitely. I was intrigued by the name and the spectacular cover page it has. I'm sorry, but I still sometimes, you know, judge the book by its cover. Now, does the saying "never judge a book by its cover" hold true in this case? Let's find that out with two of my friends, Vikram and Neeraj. And hello, everyone. I am Ekta. So, guys, very quickly, let me tell you what the book is all about. um it's a korean family saga spanning over about three um i guess four generations actually uh the book very deeply talks about the struggles of koreans migrating to japan their ideals their way of living their integrity uh, their perpetual survival instincts and the longing to belong you know yet forever being outsiders and of course the discrimination that comes with it the book also talks about the ill treatment of the koreans by the japanese and not just the immigrants but also the second generation koreans pages later it also talks about the life of men and women in the colonized atmosphere and the impact of global war on them it frames a detailed layout of the destiny of each character the way their paths are carved and you know where it takes them so it gives you a complete picture of it also coping with colonization and the urge to survive hardships of each day while aspiring for a better and better future are some of the central themes of the book well that's from the plot perspective now let me also quickly tell you about the important characters in the book sunja an impossibly resilient woman is the most important character in the book the other main characters are her two sons noah and mozasu The story also has an extremely charismatic character, Ko Hansu, who happens to be a yakuza, which means a gangster. Now, now what happens is Hansu impregnates Sunja out of wedlock, thereafter sentencing her to a life of struggles and hardship. However, I found Kyuhi, who happens to be Sunja's sister-in-law, to be one of the most defining characters in the book. that stole my heart and trust me as we go along you will know more about it so that's from my side when we talk about the characters and the plot well now let me also ask vikram what is his opinion on that so vikram after you oh thank you ekta well i couldn't have agreed more with you i think uh, you're very beautifully eloquently and might even say in a very animated way covered the plot of the story that was quite nice uh, i enjoyed listening to that 
to further add my perspective, uh, when I was reading this book, you know, I had no clue whatsoever what the name meant. Uh, phonetically, it had an exotic allure, you know, pachinko. It drew me towards yes. it. It sounds very rich on the tongue also. Pachinko. Absolutely, uh, indeed. And it's quite intriguing that that kind of has this exotic allure. That's, and uh, the book indeed spans a significant part of the 20th century, starting somewhere in the 1910s. It covers the important period of the Second World War. The book spotlights issues of colonization and being subjugated by the Japanese. And indeed, displacement which is so relevant in our contemporary times as well. Don't you agree? Yes. That's, that's an interesting point, Vikram, and that's a very heavy word, displacement, as far as today's uh, uh, modern life is concerned. Uh, and when we talk about displacement, there are two things that come to my mind uh, involuntarily. The first thing is uh, displacement by choice, and the second thing is displacement by force. And... Uh, uh, displacement by choice, I think you have first-hand experience of it. You are from uh, Belgium, but you are an Indian. So uh, do you think because of this, the book actually resonated even more chords with you? Well, not really. It, it, it didn't resonate on that level, but I could sort of sympathize with it. I also do know some Koreans who have, not, who have been living in Belgium and... Uh, mm -hmm. And I could see certain nuances and certain perspectives, which, but uh, no, I see what you mean. And, and I think we can, we can sort of dedicate an entire episode to discussing this very heavy and deep and sentimental topic. But uh, to just answer your question, no, it didn't really strike a chord on that level. Though I, I do have a connection with the book on that regard. Uh, and uh, also talking about displacement, as you said, the two sorts of displacements as we could broadly classify. And uh, the displacement this book talks about is, is not the displacement by choice, but rather being subjugated and being left with no other options than that, which is the kind of displacement which has been seen overall in Europe, uh, the immigration from uh, from Africa and uh, from other parts of the war-torn regions. So I, I think it's a very heavy topic that we can talk about. And, and uh, in a way, this book is very relevant in that sense to read in this particular period, in this particular era that we are living in. Um, having said that, let me jump on to telling a little bit about uh, the narrator's style, uh, just giving a little bit a glimpse of that. All of this, you know, the entire story has been written in a very humble and simple language. Uh, and uh, it's portrayed centered around this woman protagonist, Sunja, as uh, Ekta pointed out. And it's a story of her family and how her family survives and copes with the changing tides. You see, each generation of this family has seen and experienced a different segment of the 20th century. They react differently to the circumstances and they have their internal struggles. And I'm sure we'll unravel more of this as we tease out the plot of the book, venturing further into this lovely discussion, which I'm excited to have with you guys. Yes, and uh, one of the main things uh, that li I like about any book is that it actually uh, ignites some sort of discussions. Uh, and now that we know about uh, Pachinko to some extent, 
I wanted to share with our listeners the reason why we picked up this novel. So, Ekta, what made you, uh, as a matter of fact, all the three of us uh, pick up this book? And that is the big question everyone wants to know. I mean, what to read next is a big challenge for most of the readers. It can be a daunting task, and I hope through this podcast we would be able to help people in picking up their next read. Absolutely, I think it can be very overwhelming, isn't it? There's so many books to choose from, and uh, and each one you know jumps at you for different reasons. There's just that many hours in the day, and uh, and of course, um, how do you put the book into the larger context of life, isn't it? Um, so true uh, neeraj and vikram with a plethora of options available around it's actually quite perplexing to decide what to read next and uh, uh, so coming back to it apart from what i had already mentioned i found the description of the book quite appealing and i was looking forward to getting an insight into the life in limbo um, neither korean nor japanese the issue of yes. identity basically ekta is that what you mean Yes, yes. So uh, the issue of identity is kind of uh, you know a defining characteristic. In the if I can interject, for for me, it is also the issue of disconnect than the identity. Oh, definitely. That that's a very very uh, you know valid point that you have made, Vikram here. And uh, uh, I was uh, fascinated to read this book because this book had some rave reviews. I also wanted to know you know. um uh, like you guys were discussing about the name of the book i was kind of uh, you know perplexed and uh, intrigued to understand how a japanese version of a pinball game that is pachinko could be the central theme or the title that could define the entire book uh, so that's from my side uh, you guys tell me what made you guys pick up this book neeraj and vikram right It is not a big secret, Ekta. We did not have much choice in the matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I I sound as if the book kind of was thrust upon us, which is not, not the case. case. Absolutely. Oh no 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 yeah. no uh, no! Actually, our book club members uh, selected it as our very first read. Dear listeners, I am excited to share with you all that we do have an online book club. It is called Reading Matters. Here. We get together to discuss books, life, have fun more importantly, and much more. And man, coming back to the discussion, Ekta and uh, Vikram, do you remember? We have had some discussion on Pachinko. Absolutely. Uh, people read it from such different, diametrically opposite perspectives. Absolutely, that was really fascinating to see how the same book is received in different light and with different spectrums and different facets. You know, and uh, and one could really respect and see where where the the readers are coming from, and uh, that was really fascinating. Yeah, and the views were poles apart. I must say, but that that uh, you know makes a book uh, you know important as well. So, uh, Vikram, what made you pick up this book? Was it uh, also the book club, or there is more to it? Well, the book club was definitely the introduction, right? Uh, but the reason that led me to pick up this book and also vote in its favor of selection was that. I really liked the idea of getting a peek into the lives of the common people during the twentieth century, and in particular the way it affected the Koreans. You see, 
Our world as we know it today is greatly moulded by the two world wars. And uh, this is more true for some communities and countries than others. Uh, if you think of it, Korea as we know it today, both North Korea and South Korea in the geopolitical sense, the cultural, the cuisine, and even our own experiences of Korean restaurants with a tabletop barbecues is all greatly shaped as a consequence of the great wars. Oh, yes. I mean, that's a very interesting point you have made here, Vikram. I'm glad you, you see that. And, uh, and this is what fascinated me, to get a sense of what life must have been for a common person during that century, starting right from the beginning, prior to the war, where the society was long steeped in the feudal system, then during the war, and thereafter in the 1960s to almost the dawn of the 21st century, you know, my, I had this anticipation to get an insight, uh, and that is what really motivated me to pick up this book. So various insights and various motivations for uh, picking up this book. After that uh, kind of a brief introduction, let us now jump into our big ideas section. And this is my favorite part. Uh, dear listeners, here we take a nuanced look into the book. Hopefully, without any spoilers, I'll start with Ekta. Ne- by the way, there are never spoilers on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. No spoilers. Piraj, <laughs> uh, this is my favorite part too. So uh, let me tell you guys what really pulled me to finish this book. And the, the thing that tops the chart in this is the survival strategy that the book outlays everywhere. Uh, you know, the ill treatment of Koreans by Japanese is a painful read, and it definitely puts in reflection the stoicism. The values that the book depicts, like, you know, the immense loyalty, integrity, respect, and the survival instinct, all that, uh, you know, made me marvel the few flashes of brilliance that the book has. And I mean, it has some astonishing moments, definitely. However, having said all of this, the biggest challenge encountered by me was the boredom. (laughs) I mean, the boredom that takes over in the second half. The book goes on and on and on and on. (laughs) I mean, I literally felt I had been reading the book since three generations. (laughs) You know, at a point, monotony kicks in. And I was so stuck at a point in the book where the story didn't move at all. Mm. Honestly speaking, had it been 50 to 75 pages lighter, my view would have been absolutely different, I must say. And the third important point, which I missed, and the book missed too, was (laughs) the literary merit. (laughs) I missed the literary merits at lot of places. I mean, I found it to be a very, very simple read. And by that, I mean a very simple read. (laughs) You know, yes, like there were so many events which could have, you know, broken the reader quite emotionally. But the writing somehow missed to evoke those emotions in me. You know, just like those peripheral ideas going around and, uh, you know, you just can't connect with it. 
perhaps i was too detached from the characters and you know these are my two cents for what <laughs> you have asked but what about you guys i mean vikram and neeraj uh, what would you want to talk about how about you neeraj uh, go ahead and I'll, and i'll follow you okay so vikram uh, for me through the story of the matriarch uh, sunja who is a korean immigrant in japan uh, pachinko introduces uh, the japo korean culture uh, is that even the right adjective form you know it might be japo korean that might be the right adjective form i think form. it should be fine yeah but go ahead uh, make and, the point and, <laughs> yes and like you said vikram uh, even this term has this exotic allure in fact the name of the characters also sunja kyuhi noah i i lo- love those names uh but coming back to my very first point from about the book pachinko introduces this japo korean culture to wider audiences who otherwise uh, might not be familiar with the dynamics of this unequal society so that is the number one important thing for me the second thing obviously has to be the title and we have uh, spoken a lot about the title because you see uh, it is the most important part of the novel because it captures the theme so well the theme of playing a rigged game and just like life uh, the characters that inhabit this novel especially the koreans uh, they are up against the japanese where the chances of winning are skewed in favor of the haves uh, in this case clearly the japanese uh, and just like the rigged pinball game one continues to play it even when one knows you know the odds of winning are minimal if not negligible and the koreans they keep playing this game nevertheless they know that their chances of winning are almost close to zero but they keep on working very hard and uh, hardship which is one of the important themes of the book really endeared the novel to me my oh, heart yes. went out to the yeah. to, to these koreans not necessarily the characters but to the uh, to their plight mm-hmm. oh yes neeraj that's heartbreaking i must say it was a heartbreaking read uh, and ekta uh, the third big thing uh, which i actually could uh, take away from the book and which i would like to summarize uh, in the following phrase it is big ideas poor execution wow that's quite profound mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but apt right so 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 vikram you know uh, the author i think had such big ideas at her disposal I mean uh, if you she had all the ingredients for brewing an epic tale yes if you talk about uh, uh, yes ekta so so you have also touched on these points uh, if you talk about things like uh, hardship poverty oppression unfair prosecution and even struggles for sheer survival you name it and you have it and although the novel has been described as epic by many people uh, for me only its length appeared epic <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, like i mentioned earlier i would uh, i would like to talk about the characters the characters are blunt and emotionless uh, even when so much is happening in their lives uh this makes me wonder uh, was the author trying to make it appear as if uh, the events were all happening behind the curtain i certainly could not uh, empathize with what was happening to these characters uh, that uh, inhabit the world created by the author hmm. uh, and also uh, i would like to talk about the story uh, telling aspect uh, 
I, I must press on this point uh, because it alienated me very quickly from the novel to an extent that I felt massive indifference to what came next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted the book to be over, like my monologue. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I think there is a, gr- a great deal of common overlap of our experience reading this book. Um, I agree with many of the points that both of you put further. And uh, some of the salient features for the book for me were, well, first off, it's a lovely read. Now, uh, particularly if you want to read it at bedtime. Is it because that will help you in your sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say that because I, I think bedtime reading tends to lend itself to the imagination. And I think this is one of those books that would really benefit from a healthy dollop of imagination as you're reading it. Um, Because like you said, Neeraj, all things happening behind the curtain. And I absolutely concur with that thought. The book entices you, but does not explicitly paint the picture. Also in the literary sense, as you mentioned, Ikta, it's quite simple and it doesn't take you there. As yeah. a reader, you know, uh, for a reader, you might uh, have to fuel it and carry it with your own imagination. Mm. Now, having made that complaint, I must say that there are obviously and often are merits of simple, sweet sentences and simple, sweet plots. And, yeah. this, can, and this can definitely hit a chord with many of the readers. Uh, For instance, and this is something quite touchy, and uh, this is one of the reasons I will remember this book, is, uh, do you remember the particular sentence that describes the chestnut blossoms? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I remember that. That was an interesting description, Vikram, and I am waiting to understand what are you going to talk about it? <laughs> yes, and, and you remember this particular description comes at a point of excruciating circumstances where the character, in this case, Sunya's husband, recedes in his memory. And in this flashback, the memory of these blossoms gives him pleasure and courage to deal with this utter amount of pain he's going through. Now, my experience is I have walked under chestnut blossoms many a time, but I never observed the crimson heart until I read that sentence. And uh, yeah, and I really like that when books make you reflect and observe the environment and everything around you, emotions, psychology, and so on. And this was so tactile, and I really like that. Uh, Having said that, I must say, if as a reader, you are approaching this book from some literary expectations. Mm, I would have to say this book might not be uh, be one that you might like. Uh, I'm, I'm aware very well I'm criticising the book here. I'm very well aware of that. But uh, you see, my review of the book is a bit sweet and sour. I, I reckon the book itself is a bit sweet and sour. And uh, I would definitely recommend to pick up this book, but uh, do so with an open eye. Try not to have expectations like I clearly did. I clearly approached it 
approached it with an expectation, as I mentioned before, to learn about the people in history. Uh, and it is not rich in that respect, you see. Uh, you need to lend in your imagination to provide the background. Hmm. Now, what do I mean by that? I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain. Uh, and maybe this could be taken as a tip, if you like. Uh, if you like to put this book in its glorious history, you know, place, placing it in the right part uh, of history, you think about the ball bearings and those metal balls, if you will, which are an integral part of the pachinko game, right? Or the pinball game. Now, think about this. These metal balls would be available during the peak of the war. That would be sheer luxury, isn't it? Yes, that, that's very perceptive because now that I think about it and uh, when you have mentioned this, indeed, these uh, metal balls must have been a luxury item. Absolutely. Yeah. And I never thought it, uh, you know, from that perspective. I never read the book from that perspective. This is an insightful thought. Yeah, indeed. And if you read carefully, you'll see that the Pachinka starts coming into the plot of the, of the novel only post-war. And that's when exactly Pachinko came into Japan. You know, it became more popular as an as a amusement for common people. Now, and this is very intriguing for me. And that's how the, these elements, the deeper elements uh, of the period, coincide and, and align perfectly with the deep metaphor of the book. And that gave me a lot of joy to put that into context and into the bigger elements. So, and that makes me concur with you, uh, Neeraj, as you said. It does have the elements of becoming an elegant and amazing epic that could have imparted such an immersive experience, you see. It really has all the building blocks. But uh, how do I put it? It has the seeds, but it does not bloom. And oh. uh, yes, and that's a bit, tart bit disappointing. <laughs> So, so Pachinko uh, can be a bit disappointing and Vikram says that it has seeds but it does not bloom and his review of the book is a combination of sweet and sour. This brings us to the end of part one. See you all on the other side. Stay tuned. Whether the circumstances in the novel or the character themselves are the main characters. This is the point where we left our discussion of the book Pachinko that I have been discussing with my friend Vikram and Ekta and my name is Neeraj. So let us move on to the next stage. Apart from these big ideas discussed in the book, I'm interested in knowing what you guys felt about the novel from literary viewpoint. And I know Ekta and Vikram, both of you have touched on this point, uh, but what I think I want to ask is uh, whether the language, did it appeal to you? Did the narrative style suck you into the story? Did the author's tone sound authentic? And I have a very big issue with the author's tone, let me tell you. Uh, and before picking up the book, if you have prior knowledge about what Koreans faced during that time in Japan, uh, would this affect your view about the novel? Uh, mm. I had no idea about this culture and I was looking forward to immersing myself into the story. But Min Jin Lee, the author herself, stood in the way. She did not let me enter the world she created so painstakingly. <laughs> so she was the samurai of her own book. <laughs> <laughs> 
that 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 is an interesting way of putting it uh, uh ekta what do you think apart from all of these great ideas that we have discussed in part 1 uh do you think this book can be read from a feminist perspective as well and here i am using the term feminist quite deliberately um no uh, not really neeraj uh, feminism comes across as a strong and polarizing term and i don't think the book intended to do that at all however uh, it is an important reference that you have made because i also strongly think the story is carried on the resilient shoulders of its two women protagonists sunja and kyuhi i mean it brings a very broader perspective to the book as well without any doubt there were other prominent characters and uh, they had their own stories to narrate however these two women stole the show and uh, that also brings me to an important question like uh, is the book an ode to womanhood through these two well-rounded female characters and since discrimination was one of the main themes did miss lee by highlighting the females managed to make the other most important and contentious issue the world is facing that is gender bias a strong point i mean i felt that subdued somewhere while reading the book i was completely in awe of these two women and i thought that the book was just written for them or from their point of view what is your take on this neeraj it indeed felt a uh, little subdued like you said ekta and i agree uh, the novel is women centric uh, female characters were very strong hmm. uh, but you know what i am not sure about the author's intention i mean was this a deliberate choice to underplay this aspect or was she just you know objectively reporting the disregard for the unsung heroes uh, that was prevalent at least during that point in history Perhaps. and sometimes if if you think about it sometimes it it also felt like journalistic reporting mm. you know i had some other qualms with the book as well um and i was rather unsettled unsettled as to why the author chose that and i'm going to give the benefit of doubt that the author did so deliberately now what fails on me is why why would she choose that i mean to say is it to imbue simplicity of the characters by being sparse and holding back on the literary possibilities so reflecting back on what you said neeraj is it deliberate uh see vikram i uh, i think uh, simplicity is one thing and sheer boredom is uh, something else <laughs> agree what i mean by this is that the language even if the characters are simple the language did not appeal to me uh the characters did not speak to me even when i knew what they were going through and like ekta said the novel just kept on dragging forever and ever i mean don't get me wrong i am a huge fan of big reads but uh, pachinko for me was a good 100 pages too long uh yeah. here may i talk about the other book i read about japan sure uh, i uh-uh. i am talking about memoirs of geisha by arthur golden uh, the comparison in my mind was involuntary it came very automatically i could not help but compare miss lee's bland narrative style to mr golden's radiance 
uh, and talking about simplicity vikram uh, the story mr golden narrates is also a simple one uh, written in a simple language but man did i feel alive reading that book both the books uh, if you think about it both the books have strong female characters however i could feel the pain of the female characters in the geisha book which uh, i am sorry to say i could not feel in case of pachinko mm it's it's quite interesting and what do you think about that dictator what are your views on this particular point well uh, vikram most of it had been said already but yeah i too found the literary aspect and the emotional connect quite bland uh, with so many events happening and major ones at that miss lee did not captivate me at all with all the positive highlights of the book mentioned during this talk i strongly felt you know the description clearly lacked vividness and the characters didn't stay with me after the book was over which also points to the writing style of the author i strongly feel had this book been written in the first person and in a crisp manner detailing the emotions and the important sad tragedies from the first hand view the book could have done wonders for me coming back and to yeah that is an interesting thing ekta that uh, i want uh, the characters to be with me for at least a couple of days so that's this is where pachinko really failed to deliver Okay. So to tell you Neeraj uh, when you read a book that leaves a lasting impression on you the characters uh, don't just stay with you sometimes you become those characters you fall in love with them you start hating them it's it's such a mutual relationship that you develop and that is what i was trying to say that this book did not let me be any of them wow Mm, coming back to your point uh, while comparing the two books though both are set in japan geisha and uh, pachinko they're very different books giving mm. absolutely a different insight into japan however i will have to agree on this point that mr golden's narrative is hauntingly beautiful as it keeps you emotionally engaged throughout which pachinko fails to do Well, I, I really like that expression, hauntingly beautiful. Um, the expression itself was hauntingly beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> but but that's what I felt. I mean, absolutely agree with you. So, well, apart from that, you know, what I also had other issues with the book. Though the narrative, as you as you agree, is is one main story, the book digresses at parts. Uh, into other plots and i found that particularly annoying for example there's this chapter that springs at you from nowhere encompassing pluralities of sexuality there are lgbt characters in a voyeuristic setting yeah i mean what was that about i was still completely <laughs> off guard absolutely but i enjoyed it though oh, <laughs> oh yeah. i did too <laughs> i'm not saying that it was not well written Yeah and you know what um this isn't a mere figment of the author's imagination did you know uh this was actually a cult phenomenon happening during that period in the parks of Japan and this is what i'm referring to is in early uh, 1970s late 1960s and uh, this reminds me of a very important piece of contemporary art by this uh, uh, artist called Kohi Yoshiyuki uh 
and the artwork is titled The Buck. So what he did is very, very interesting. Uh, Yoshiyuki followed with his camera into the parks of uh, Tokyo with, and capturing these warriors, you know, in this um, looking at the sexual acts. And uh, I happened to see this artwork at the 2013 Venice Biennale. And uh, it was absolutely a breathtaking experience, you know. When you walk into this big pavilion, you see these images which are black and white, you know, stills, and uh, and the art is this. So it, it's intriguing. You you know you want to see what's going on in these images, and as you go close to it, very quickly you get the plot, and and soon after it dawned into my mind that I was being the warrior of the warrior, and that's the true brilliance of this artwork. Oh, that's very interesting, I must say. Yes, indeed. And, you know, uh, thinking about this and, and connecting it with a literary style, you see, this makes one question, what is the spectrum of, uh, and where is the boundary of, when is, is one an observer, when is one a spectator, and when is one a warrior? So what are the boundaries on this? And I just want to send out a thought to you guys as well. Uh, in literary sense, isn't it similar to being a first-person narrative or reading something which is a third-person omniscient narrative? Isn't it something similar? Interesting. Yeah, but, you know, interestingly, Vikram, uh, you use the word pigment of author's imagination. It isn't one. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, I, I sincerely hoped that there was some figment of imagination when, <laughs> when you bring the... Uh, so, so you talk about this great piece of art uh, and it gives you an immersive experience as well uh, that you do not realize that you are becoming the warrior of the warrior. Uh, to be honest, in Pachinko, it, it felt very abrupt and it felt very incidental, especially the, the chapters on LGBT. Because I think the author was trying to tick all the literary boxes. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was deliberate. And uh, through most of our interviews, as a matter of fact, Vikram and Ekta, it is only after the interviews that I started looking at Pachinko uh, uh, from a very different perspective. And your anecdote about this particular piece of art also adds uh, that dimension. And maybe these are the pointers that are really going to help a reader pick up this book and uh, maybe enjoy it. However, on a, on, a, on a lighter note, we have been discussing very heavily, I think, about the book. Uh, so True. let's talk about some lighter things. Ekta, uh, would you read this book on a rainy afternoon with a steaming cup of chai? And uh, Vikram, although I know that you are not a chai person, what about you? Well, uh, no. That's a straight answer. Well, for me, for the, as Danes call it, the, the Hugo moment, uh, I would reserve uh, a rather special book. And this book does not cut the mark, you see. Um, definitely not, Neeraj. Uh, it's not a book to be read while I am sipping my tea in peace. And I am a tea person in that case. Uh, neither is it a page turner. However, uh, I felt sad. Oh. I felt sad after reading the book. Uh, not for the characters, not for the narrative either, but for the book itself. Because, oh, okay. uh, yeah, it had so much to offer uh, with too many real life events, but the book couldn't do justice to them. Uh, 
at some point uh, the book looks wasted mm. i and I, i completely get that but i don't feel sad i feel rather annoyed at that fact all right Uh, now this brings us to uh, the next segment uh, which is very important because uh, this is a segment where we give our ratings uh, to the book and what book review is complete without uh, these ratings so uh, vikram and ekta what is your rating for the book so i'll say if you like reading grab this book and give it to sincerego my advice would be to try not to have any preconceived ideas about the book and just see where this takes you and with that my rating for the book is a 3 on 5 and uh, i'll rate it 3.5 and i am a little confused here vikram and ekta uh, both mm-hmm. are rating it on the higher side after <laughs> uh, having spoken so much about mm. the literary style and about the book not delivering mm-hmm. uh, now i'm really interested in knowing how come your ratings are 3 and 3.5 okay so for for me to give it a 3 on 5 uh, i asked my sweat myself this question uh, is this worth reading and the answer couldn't be more clear it is definitely so and you may enjoy reading this book or you may also get annoyed like i did but it is an experience that you're up for so just go ahead grab that experience and uh, that's why i would rate it a 3 on 5 because it's so much worth reading and uh, actually why i have rated it 3.5 neeraj is only for the honest depiction of values and uh, the survival strategies that it talk it talks about um you know uh, these are the themes of the book and uh, uh, they bind the book and they uphold the book right from the beginning till the end uh, values like loyalty and integrity are very important part of this book and are depicted at great length uh, in various incidences uh, that you would read and also my reading pitched up for the more important points that the book has the airite highlights um it takes you it shows you that period in japan and uh, i did not find any other contemporary book doing so for that i have rated it 3.5 and interestingly my rating is also 3.5 okay <laughs> <laughs> okay spill uh, your beans we would like to know now why you rated 3.5 as well all right so uh, even i am surprised at my own rating uh, the main reason uh, is i think it was an important narrative mm-hmm. it introduced me to japan from korean's perspective and this is something very fresh yes and it shattered a lot of preconceived notions uh, that i in my infinite ignorance had about japan and the japanese culture so yes Uh, because of its freshness uh, my rating is 3.5 and maybe that is one of the main reasons why people are also giving it uh, rave reviews mm. all right this was our take on pachinko dear listeners we hope you enjoyed the episode you can always reach us at bookalife@gmail.com that is bookalife@gmail.com
We would love to hear from you. And yeah, what's coming up next? In the next episode, we will be talking about Becoming by Michelle Obama. Let's catch Ooh. up. <laughs> <laughs> Do catch up with us on the next episode. All right. And with that, uh, if you're in- interested in getting more insightful ideas, uh, we would be very happy to include a link on the artist's uh, that we spoke about, Gohi Yoshiyuki. Uh, it's really fascinating work of art. We re- highly recommend to have a look. Um, and uh, we also spoke about another book, very interesting book about, uh, written by Arthur Golden. We'll include a link on that as well if you're keen on getting more insight. And uh, to add one another very insightful YouTube video on, on Pachinko and what Pachinko looks in modern day Japan, have a look. I think it's truly truly worth doing so and with that uh today you were listening to our episode in pachinko written by minjing lee published by apollo signing off on that for neeraj and ikta this is rikram <laughs> <laughs>